The tech job market can be a confusing place. Sometimes, without really committing to a job search, it's quite hard to find out the details about companies that are hiring in the space. And that's where Haystack comes in. Haystack is a portal with a clear view of all the coolest companies in the tech industry. You can see what it's like to work there and what they're hiring for. And best of all, you won't have to have a 20-minute conversation with a recruiter to find out the company's name. To find out more about Haystack, go to haystackapp.io or check out episode 59 of The Go to Career. Thanks to Haystack for sponsoring and enjoy the show. Happy Monday to all the developers out there and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career with me, your host, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Simon Grimm. If you're into the dev podcast ecosystem, chances are you've heard from Simon before. I've actually appeared on the podcast he co-hosts with Simon Barker, the All The Code podcast. Now, as well as being a podcaster, Simon is a successful YouTuber and runs his own business called galaxies.dev, where you can learn to code a variety of tools and languages. Today, we have a chat about Simon's journey to learn to code, why he's diversifying his content away from just Ionic stuff, and what his future holds with galaxies.dev. Do remember, if you enjoy the show, to leave a rating and share it with your friends. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Simon Grimm. Hey, Simon. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. How are you doing? I'm fine. Glad to be here finally. So you've been on our show before when I wasn't there and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, right right back in the day, in the early days, in fact. And uh, obviously, of, of course, your co-host uh, came on uh, The Code of Career, I think maybe 30 episodes ago uh, or so. So it's only right that you are now making an appearance here. So uh, for people who aren't familiar, I know a lot of people listen to both our podcasts, but for people who aren't familiar, who are you? What podcast do you co-host and what other things are you doing? Because you're, you're a very busy man at the moment, I think. Yeah, I'm Simon. I'm a self-employed uh, developer for close to six years now. Uh, I run the Ionic Academy, which is an online school focused on Ionic. I just recently launched a new project called galaxies.dev, which is uh, kind of the same concept. It's an online school with courses, but from different creators and covering uh, everything beyond the edges of web dev universe. We're going to get into that probably later. Yeah, and besides that, I'm also the co-host of the All The Code podcast, uh, also with Simon. So a bit of confusion if you throw in Simon. So we're <laughs> on that podcast, we're Simon and Simon. That's really a problem. But I'm Simon G, Simon G from Germany. Uh, it's quite quite easy to remember. Oh, that is good because you've got Simon B, so Simon British, and Simon exactly. G, Simon German. I never <laughs> thought about that. I've never picked up on that. I've been listening to All The Code for ages. <laughs> it's a really we should awesome introduce podcast. this more often. Yeah, we should probably yeah. introduce this as a concept. <laughs> Yeah, people should definitely, as soon as you're done with this episode, go and go and queue up all the code because I, I highly recommend it. So um, obviously you didn't immediately start, uh, you didn't immediately start as a podcaster in the industry. What What's your story? How did you pick up coding? What spotlight interest? And how have you got to the point where you are now? Okay, uh, starting to code would actually take us back like probably 16 years, 17 years. I think I actually got started very early. I don't have any records about this anymore, but I I feel that it was something like I was 12 or 13 because my brother at that time should have been like 15, 16, and he was getting into Windows and Objective-C development back then. Um, and that's when I picked up like HTML and PHP and just played around with that stuff. Uh, it just continued from there, basically. It has always been a pattern in my life. Like in school, uh, we were very fortunate. So since grade eight, I think I had like a course about Java and stuff like that. Um, in university, I, of course, learned a bit. Uh, but that's when it got really like 
really hard because then I learned Objective-C and Swift and that basically brought me on the uh, whole mobile app development trajectory back then. Uh, but I learned this, you, you don't really learn that in university, by the way. Like I, I picked this up with a friend because we wanted to develop an iOS app because I thought like it's epic to have a game on your own iPhone. Like that was all I ever wanted. And so we we picked up Objective-C and you can learn those things for free. Back then it was like the the Stanford course, I don't know, Stanford or Harvard. There was some kind of podcast or online course for free about that. Um, There's CS50 for Harvard, but I don't know if they do mobile stuff. I, I did that when I first started learning and it was like, uh, uh, it starts you off with Scratch, which is really fun. And then the next mm -hmm. lecture is C, not even C++, <laughs> just C. <laughs> Uh, and oh. it's absolutely brutal. Um, but the guy who runs the uh, the course is amazing. And it's really cool because it's literally just a yeah. Harvard 101 CS course that you get to study. So um, I recommend people uh, check that out. But that's awesome that you're able to uh, do, do coding in high school. Because like in the UK, I mean, I don't know if it was just my school, but um, for some perspective of how forward thinking my school was, uh, they made me give up uh, IT when I was 12. So no more IT classes passed then, and there was no programming, nothing like that. But Latin was compulsory until I was 14. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I think I learned Latin for, I don't know how many years, at least six years, I think more, seven maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's I not should have learned. Like if we, if we get into the school system, there are so many things they should teach you, like how to handle money probably, or, or I don't know, stuff like that, money, IT, like live things and probably not Latin and like whatever language. Yeah, there's a huge political debate going on in the UK at the moment around, uh, so the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, said something along the lines of uh, he, he wants everyone to study maths until they're 18, I think. Um, but the problem is, I see with that, is yes, we do have a STEM shortage. We don't, we generally worldwide have a shortage of people that want to work in STEM. Um, but the issue is the reason why people quit maths early is because it's not framed in an interesting way. And mm. uh, I was I was trying to sort of pitch this idea to my girlfriend over dinner the other night, and I was saying, like, uh, what they should do is they should frame some of your classes around a mock business uh, in high school where your maths is like you're doing your accountancy and, and, and things like that for it, and then maybe for English you're doing your marketing, um, and for IT, you could be making some kind of app for it. Like that would make it so much more interesting. Yeah. Obviously, it would be a complete radical overhaul of how everything works. But these concepts aren't framed in real world terms. And you mentioned about the how in a CS degree, you don't learn things like mobile apps. And I don't have a CS degree myself. I'm, I'm self-taught. But that's all I've heard as well. It's like it's really CS is useful for teaching you how stuff really works. But in terms yeah. of like practical knowledge, it will take into the work base is often quite lacking. Yeah, if you if you don't have any self interest in like making your own projects during university, you're kind of like getting nothing from it. So so my was uh, business informatics. So that was a combination of like business stuff, project management, and like uh, those kind of things plus informatics. But what you learn is really like the basics. Um, not even really like Java or any kind of language. It's more like what is a singleton or how is like the fastest way to implement quicksort or how does whatever sorting algorithm work and, and those kind of structures. I mean, that can be helpful definitely in, in life, but 
I, I haven't really learned a lot from that. I learned more from just playing around with my own code and learning stuff. And I, I completely agree to the, to learning. Like just the other day, I heard on the My First Million podcast when I talked that in university, you should have problems like, okay, uh, make a viral video on TikTok, then you're going to get an A or something. Like <laughs> that is really relevant to today. Or I don't know, play with ChatGPT and build an AI stuff. Like that would be so cool. I don't know. I should probably become a teacher in school again. Yeah, I think I listened to that same episode because I quite like the My First Million podcast. And I think they were saying there was some like experimental business marketing class where you do have to go viral on TikTok. And yeah, it's stuff like that. Like I, 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 I have a business degree, actually. And it's like I found a lot of the time it really boring because it was just so mm. I guess it was the way CS is to modern programming business degrees are to modern business where just so much about the theory and like there was one module on startups that I absolutely loved um and then one module on like launching a mock business and just stuff like that that's how I think that's how you actually learn I mean from, from your side if you were sort of I guess you go to university about the same age in Germany as you do in the UK so yeah. if you were 18 again um would you still go to university first off and secondly would you still study computer science do you think Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it also depends from country to country. It's different. Like I think in Germany at the moment, it's is it free or is it quite cheap? I actually don't know. I guess right that's now. a big factor. Of course, it costs I, I in, the United, in the United K, States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get debt for that. So if you're going to pay a lot of money for that, I probably wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't. Because honestly, you can you can learn so many things for free. Like if you just have a self-interest in, in programming, I think in like a year, you could, you should be able to pick up most of the basics to, to actually find a job. And it doesn't matter if you go to like a boot camp or you just take, there's so many free courses, like for every, for Swift, for JavaScript, wherever you look, you're going to find some kind of creator who has like a 30 day beginner course. Just for example, for JavaScript, Simon, my co-host launched a 30 days of JavaScript course, which is completely for free. Like you can go 30 days through this and you're going to have a decent javascript skills really like he's not not he's starting at zero pretty much and this is available for pretty much everything you just need like a general idea of what you want to do probably like do you want to build websites or do you want to build something else but if you don't know honestly just get started and get a feeling for it i mean if you don't like javascript and building websites you can still change to something else like there are so many, so many things like machine learning, which is usually around Python these days. So Python is always a good idea. Um, you can also do backend development with something else. What is what is uh, cool? Rust is cool right now, right? Yeah, Rust is cool. Although I probably wouldn't recommend that as a first language myself, just because I always think about everything in terms of the job market. Is there's so few junior oh, yeah. jobs out there? But maybe in 2025, it's going to be a different story because it's hard. It's it's people are moving to Rust now, which means I think they're they're hiring like experienced developers who have now learned Rust. But I imagine that changes. Like I'm actually going to do a, um, I think I'm going to do a YouTube video soon of my tech stack for 2030 because everyone else is doing oh, my, my tech stack for 2023. Yeah, so I, I want to do 2030. I'm going to try and go long and then, in seven years' time, I'm gonna go back on it. When when I'm like all grey, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go back and uh, react to it. I think so. I, th I think it'll be a fun video. Yeah, you should. You should. I'll be curious. I mean, could could you give anyone a preview or, or off the fly, like in terms of what you reckon would be in your 2030 tech stack? Oof, I don't know. I f I feel like 
we're gonna have something different because right now I'm I'm very much into JavaScript and all the cool things that appear. And they all make something a tiny bit different, a tiny bit better, but it's not revolutionary like React mm. was back then. So I feel like, I don't know when, in the next one to 10 years, there should be something completely different, which like combines all the reactivity and all the uh, different approaches that are around right now. And that just becomes, or at least that's what I wish and hope, that it like becomes the... Uh, Ruby on Rails of front-end development because mm. Ruby on Rails for back-end, uh, no, Ruby on Rails is full stack. So uh, that was always great. It is still going strong. And for JavaScript, it's like, it's so there are so many different things. You can go so many directions and it just feels so overwhelming and confusing to some degree uh, that I think there should be like some unified thing. I always, I talked about this on the pod before, like if you go into Swift or into Flutter, it feels so refreshing because you have your clear boundaries, they're the packages and just go build something. And if you look up JavaScript, like you can read for weeks about opinions people have about different frameworks and technologies. It's just not really beginner friendly. I mean, JavaScript is beginner friendly, but the whole ecosystem I feel isn't very beginner friendly anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And something I've mentioned on here before is how, because of the usual usage of the word outside of programming, opinionated is seen as a bad thing automatically because I don't ever see it as a really... I mean, in the UK, it's often used as a euphemism where like, oh yeah, he's very opinionated about that. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, he's really rude, basically. <laughs> it's, in, a, in a work setting is, is, is what that really means. And so we see it as a bad thing. And actually opinionated um, often isn't a bad thing, particularly if you're more junior, where you want a clear, defined way of um, looking at things. I mean, that's why they say React is, the li is a library rather than a framework, isn't it? Because frameworks are more opinionated. Something like Angular um, is a lot more opinionated. I mean, something that you mentioned about the Ruby on Rails or JavaScript, maybe this is controversial. I would argue it already exists. And I would say it's next. What do you think? Yeah, next is, would definitely be the equivalent right now. But yeah, yeah, probably probably it exists, but we haven't settled all on Next.js. Yeah. I don't know if, if we will, probably. Um, right now, Angular is going strong again. So that's actually kind of funny to watch from the outside because even, even React folks suddenly say, hey, oh, there's a lot going on in the Angular community. <laughs> Maybe it isn't so bad after all. Uh, I don't know where this is going in like the next two, three years. This is really interesting to observe. It was very sudden, actually, because um, I was watching a video this morning on it, actually, uh, from someone in, Re in the React community, who I'm actually not going to name because I know your co-host has beef with him. I do quite like his videos. <laughs> and uh, I, um, I, I, I was watching his one on, uh, uh, he, he made one the other, uh, this morning for about how Angular is picking up in popularity again. And I think I do think it's been underrated this whole time. A lot of the Angular haters are actually often People that have never used it, I think. Uh, so I've used React more, but I've also done Angular for maybe like 18 months in my first dev job. And it, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Like there's a reason why Google continue to support it. Like they're not stupid. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't continue supporting something that doesn't work, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know either where this is coming from. I think some people are still pissed off because of Angular JS and then Angular 2 yeah. because it was basically a whole rewrite. But that was like, I don't know, eight years ago now or something? Like, yeah. can we get over that? 
uh, Apple also did like come up with Swift and people previously had Objective-C. It's not like people are now saying, exactly. eh, I'm not going to pick up Swift. Uh, so and in terms of opinionated, yeah, that's also what I enjoy about Angular. It's also what I enjoy about things like Nest.js. Uh, for backend development, it's sometimes it's actually good to have the structure. You get into a, an Angular project and you immediately know, okay, here are the components, here are the pipes, here are the services, and you feel right at home in those projects. And you, you open one React project and another and another, and they're all different. Everyone names their folder mm. different. Sometimes it's pages, sometimes source, app, screens, whatever you want to call it. So I also think that Angular was kind of underrated. It was... Funnily, always great, going great in enterprise context, um, especially also here in Germany. I know many big companies are using Angular because, uh, I don't know, we, we Germans like kind of have structure and a good architecture. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, I will definitely watch that video as well. Uh, I yeah. know who you refer to, so I'm going to check it out. He recently <laughs> tweeted something as well where he said like, oh, I feel what's going on in the Angular community. Uh, yeah. I think React is not adopting signals or they're, they're talking a lot. I just see a lot of Dan Abramov is like the creator talking about stuff. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, I don't really understand some of the talk. Like even after being in the industry for mm. eight years, they're talking about server components and what's the best here and there and the different nuances. And I honestly, I, I don't really get that sometimes. I just want to build some cool stuff. Yeah, I think it's important that we acknowledge that actually as, as two guys that are experiencing the industry is like, I know what you mean. It's like sometimes just, I think, I agree. I just do get a feeling like, oh, I'm just sick of debating this. Let's yeah. let's build something. And I read Peter Levels' book and I keep shouting it out on a podcast <laughs> and that's because it's so damn good. And he, and he says, and no shade to people that do this, he said, um, the people who are arguing about what framework is best are not building uh, on Twitter and not building anything cool uh, because they're spending all their energy doing that because he builds all these amazing, amazing projects and he makes millions per year uh, with these innovative web apps and his stack is PHP and jQuery. Like, yeah. obviously I wouldn't recommend people learn that in 2023, but like it's because he uses the tools that are in his box already and he's not looking to get some kind of employment out of it. You should basically I think people should use programming as a means to an end in terms of the commercial value add, either as an employee uh, or as an entrepreneur. Like there are a lot of different routes you can go down with that. I mean, maybe I'm looking at this too much like a capitalist, but um, I feel like that's kind of the world we live in, you know? <laughs> yeah, the Peter Levels approach is basically also my approach. Just use what works and build cool project. But I, I also understand that like in some contexts, if you're talking about like finance or banking, you're going to have like a really decent programming language and you have to make really conscious choices choices about technology and stuff but i think it's also it's quite easy if you follow all the people on twitter or wherever where they talk about the latest stuff to forget that like i think most people they don't make choices like oh, we get into a two-month analysis of react versus angular and deep dive into next.js versus something they just like okay, what's cool? Yeah, the market says, okay, React. Yeah, okay, our next project, we're going to use React. That's basically the decision process. And I think, I don't know how, how high the number is, but I feel like the number of companies or developers just doing the process like that is, is very high, actually, in the end. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, people aren't looking at these tiny, tiny marginal gains necessarily. They're just looking at, uh, you know, what 
what's interesting, what can we attract developers to work on? Um, and also as well, I think a big shock to me when I finally broke into the industry was that uh, every company is not using the latest and greatest uh, yeah. of, of absolutely everything. I think, so my, my story is, if, if you're not familiar, I'm a former technical recruiter and uh, funnily enough, got my start recruiting Angular developers in Germany of all things. So um, I, I, I ended up being quite knowledgeable that, about that because my main question was, Angular JS or Angular 2 um, was the one I would get quite a lot, um, which I didn't really understand at the time, but now I do understand. So, so, so every company, they're not, they're not going in and using the latest and greatest like tools and and tech. And I think that's what came as a big shock to me. Weirdly, the other thing that came as a big shock was that companies use UI libraries because I always thought that was cheating. And I always felt really guilty about using them when I was learning to code. And actually, it turns out I, like, I use Ant Design in my job like every single day, and it just makes my life so much easier. I really, Ant Design, yeah. It, it, we all have just such a limited perspective on things like the things you'd use and the things you see your friends use or colleagues use, and probably the people, the the bubble you follow on Twitter. But it's so easy to forget that there's so much else out there. Like, mm. if you if you feel like PHP is your thing. Yeah, Laravel is going strong. Like, just go yeah. for it. Uh, if you think React is it, go for React. If you like Angular, go for Angular. Uh, if you listen to the people like at the really cutting edge or bleeding edge of web development, and when they talk about reactivity or continue, you know, not continuity. That was Apple. What was the other thing? Like QuickHead, uh, resumability, and mm. the edge, and all those cool things. And then you go into your work and you just work on an old. <laughs> java jsp or something like yeah that's the world that's a reality not everyone's using the latest tools and uh we also need to understand that it's fine like pages and websites can can be fast or they don't have to be optimized for the last millisecond like most of us are not working for facebook or google or amazon where it counts if your shopping cart opens in 100 milliseconds or 400 so if you have that gap that's available to you, then like it completely doesn't matter which which technology you're using. If you're getting yeah. Lighthouse score 80 or if you're getting Lighthouse score 70, that can make a difference in some cases, but uh, most of these tools are really optimized like React is from Facebook. So Facebook made this for their own use case. Uh, and Facebook definitely has uh, different requirements than your traditional marketing agency who's developing uh, apps and websites for like the middle middle stand unit industry or whatever yeah exactly and and i think pragmatism is a very underrated aspect of being a developer to the point where right i do need to improve this but how much buy because there's uh you're having to people don't view their time enough as an economic unit in the sense of i'm going to put x amount of time into it if i improve it by say 80% and I spend three hours on it versus spending three days on it and improving it by 100%. It's so much better to spend the short amount of time and get those 80%, uh, get that 80% done. Um, it, it's one of those ones that people overlook a lot. And I think it's the main, I don't know why it happens, but I think sometimes we fall into trap of viewing ourselves and sorry if my cat's coming up on the mic there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes we fall into trap of viewing ourselves too much as artists. Like I do think, code can be art but i think sometimes people can take that a little bit too far i don't know i don't know if you found that or maybe i'm being a bit controversial there yeah i, I definitely agree i also see uh, i'm following like the, the typescript expert and they're doing really crazy things with typescript and whenever i see it on, on twitter i feel like oh simon you you have actually no idea about typescript <laughs> at all like i'm just using types for my variables and, and functions and yeah they are doing so crazy things it, 
honestly, when, when I sometimes see their code snippet, it looks to me like they have a different programming language. I, I, I sometimes yeah. feel like, is this C or something? Like they have this constructs and satisfies and all the, all the keywords of a language and I'm not making use of that. That's quite easy then to feel like you're not as good as them. Uh, and yeah, I say this after like being in this for 10 years now or something. Um, it, I don't know if this will ever end. Uh, yeah. I assume it won't. I, I I agree. I don't think it'll. Yeah, I think I think it will stay this way because uh, I think it's always going to be the same way. People are going to push things to the limits, but in terms of the actual, the vast majority of devs were working on stuff for commercial reasons, where either trying to make money or save money, um, and therefore a lot of the time going completely all the way uh, and using things to the very limit of of what's possible. A lot of the time, you're not actually uh, you're not actually you go, you're going too far almost. It's like it's like if every car on the road was an F1 car, but it would be pointless. I mean, to be fair, maybe that's a bad example speaking to someone from Germany where you don't have speed limits or so many <laughs> autobahns, but in the UK, you can't go above 70 anywhere. So it's like, for me, like I don't even see the Wait, point. What is 70 in, in kilometers? That is miles, uh, right? Yeah, about 100, 100? I, I reckon. Yeah, probably about That 100. is your maximum, 100? Yeah, yeah, so maybe 110. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure of exactly. Um, so for me, it's like, what's the point in, I quite like cars, but what's the point in me upgrading my 1.4 liter Polo? Like I see no reason to do it because it's not like I can go particularly fast. <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes sense with that speed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And in, Germ in Germany, like the, the minimum is usually like 120 on the Autobahn. Uh, to be fair. We, but, but we don't have that many places where it's infinite anymore. Um, like I think they are getting less. I think we should also get rid of them at some point. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not really a big fan. Like that can happen really, really bad accidents. Uh, mm. You turn left and and somebody comes with like 220 uh, on that lane. God, it's really yeah. yeah. I think uh, the, us Brits. I'm not sure we could be trusted with uh, <laughs> with a lack of speed limit. To be honest, having uh, driving some of the stuff I see in Edinburgh, uh, driving around the streets here, like most of the most of the streets here have like a, a I, I guess a thirty kilometer per hour limit, uh, and even then, I still see people make some quite incredible crashes. So um, yeah, it's probably a good thing we don't have that. Um, and to, to, turning it back a bit more to Dev, because I don't know. I think I brought us onto cars there. Um, turning it back a bit more into dev, you, uh, I don't know if you like this word, but I would definitely describe you as kind of a guru for, um, for Ionic. Um, how, how did you get so um, into one technology where you kind of became the, the Ionic guy? So I know you're moving, because I, I know you actually mentioned this on the podcast recently, you're kind of moving away to diversifying your content a bit more. Mm. Um, but what made you a fan of Ionic and why do you think people should try and use it? So in my first job, I was hired as a, a mobile native mobile developer for iOS. Um, that was cool. But after a while, I think I just uh, by chance discovered Ionic. So that must have been something like 2014 when Ionic 1 was out. So they basically just got started. Um, I think I just picked it up. I gave it a try. And I found this quite interesting because I never had the skill to develop an Android application. And that time, the narrative was basically, yeah, you need to be on iOS and Android. And Android, the market is a lot bigger. So actually, I've changed my perspective on that quite a bit over the last weeks. But back then, it was definitely the case that everyone said, yeah, you need an iOS and you need an Android app. So uh, I learned Ionic, which helps you to uh, develop with web technologies, an app for iOS and Android. You basically wrap your 
WebView into with Cordova back then into a Cordena, and then it was a native mobile application. So we can discuss a whole episode on if this is a native app or not. <laughs> but let's say let's say it is a native app because you can install it from the App Store and you can run it on your phone. And uh, that's usually for for my mom. That's definitely a native mobile application. Yeah, in um, practical terms, that makes it native. Like, yeah, uh, I've, yeah. I've had this debate on here a few times about what actually is native. But yeah. in my mind, again, we talk about pragmatism. If, you can, yeah. if, it, if it looks like an app and it behaves like an app, it's probably an app. <laughs> if, you, if you got access to all the device functionalities, then it's a native app. And I can get that with Codover. So I started blogging about it back then just to, like, document my own learnings. Um, and I had started actually blogging a bit before and I blogged about stuff like Dart or something that was coming up and nothing really got traction. But once I had like four, five, six Ionic posts, I started to notice that the Ionic stuff was getting actually more and more <laughs> views and uh, that people kind of resonated with the Ionic stuff. So if you see something work, you, of course, double down on it. So uh, I just continued writing Ionic stuff. I mean, overall, the time I sometimes switched because I, I thought like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I tried out other frameworks. Uh, I just said this yesterday to someone else. Uh, finally enough, the, the most popular video on my YouTube channel is a React Native video. And I did this, I think, eight years ago. So I think I'm pretty sure if I had followed React Native and if I had switched to React Native eight years ago, I would now be the guru of React Native probably. And uh, have an even bigger, probably already have a million on YouTube. But anyway, it did, it did went well with Ionic as well. Uh, I carved out my own niche there. And um, it just happened that I, after years, like I was always in, getting in contact with the team, with the CEO, Max Lynch from Ionic and with the DevRel guys. And I mean, if you constantly pretty much every week write about them, they just know you and uh, if people look up something, they pretty much always find my articles. I even sometimes look at myself something about Ionic and then I find my own article. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've, I feel like I covered all the topics about Ionic in the last six, seven, eight years. Um, and although I never really felt like I was an expert because at the core, Ionic is still mostly UI stuff. And in the background, there's Angular or now React or Vue or whatever you mm -hmm. use. And I, I didn't really felt like an Angular expert. I don't feel like it because I see other doing more crazy things with it. But yeah, I guess I accepted at some point in terms of Ionic and the UI. And I could pretty much write you a list of all the available UI components with their CSS variables and functions right now. Um, because I'm pretty much daily on the documentation page. And then you just naturally become like the guru of that technology. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. I think blogging is becoming a bit of a lost art in the sense of, and I'm a terrible example for this because I do all my content on YouTube, TikTok, <laughs> and, uh, and podcasts, obviously. So it's generally because I, I can't be bothered uh, to, <laughs> to, uh, to write a lot. I find it easier to talk. Uh, so I can't be bothered often to blog as well. Um, so do you, do you recommend uh, blogging as a thing for people to get into still? Because the SEO benefits are, are great. A lot of people have tried to convince me actually to get into it for Code of Career. Uh, that's a good question. So the interesting thing is, by the way, I just noticed uh, the, the video is called the Angular Comeback. I was just checking out YouTube. Oh. So that's the video <laughs> I'm going to look at. Um, so I think, yes, it's definitely kind of lost art. And when I got started uh, with blogging about like eight years ago, people at that point, so that was 2015, said uh, blogging is dead. Nobody's blogging anymore. Mm. And, and guess what? It still worked for me. So 
I don't know. Today, I would probably also say, yeah, blogging is dead. But you could probably still do it. I mean, it's still useful if you want to look up like the code or stuff. I don't know how this is, how this will change with uh, ChatGPT in the next time. If you just ask, like, hey, can you build me a login page with Tailwind and, and stuff like that, and you just get the code, that probably is better. But still, in terms of articles, I still like to read and follow the thoughts of people. Um, the trend is, of course, going to like even short form videos. But I mean, you, you can't describe something in a minute on, on YouTube short. I mean, they're probably going to raise that limit soon. But in a minute, you just can't explain anything in real. Uh, yes, you can make a video five or 10 minutes about it. Um, but I still think that blogging definitely has some value. Of course, it has some SEO value if you can build up a lot of things. So that is still legit today. And um unless Google disappears at some point, which I, I don't know if it will, um, it's going to still be relevant if you're going to have like really good content on your page and then people people will still find you. But you probably want to be in, in different places and only blogging. I don't know if you can, can really carve out something for yourself. If you only blog, I guess you still have to do something a bit more visual, be it something on, on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, YouTube. Uh, I think that's just... It's just how, how our society has become. And like all the people, I mean, the people who are now 13, 14, which love to use TikTok. I mean, in five years, they will be in the developer market and they still probably use TikTok or else they just prefer watching video at that point. So you guess they have to factor that in uh, what probably the next generation of developers. Yeah, it's a real challenge, actually, because... Um, my biggest following by far is on TikTok um, and actually have getting people to find useful uh, like value out of my videos is quite tricky because the longer you make the videos, the worse retention stats are and therefore the worse it will get pushed out and perform. So I find it a bit of a frustration. I mean, TikTok's now got a 10 minute video limit uh, and obviously YouTube's shorts is only one minute. So I agree. I think they'll raise it, but it's, it's still a tricky one because I... I try and provide enough value, but the more value I see to provide, at least in my mind, the more likely is someone's just going to swipe on and um, and not actually watch much video and therefore it doesn't get pushed out. So instead, the stuff that I do well, I think literally my best performing video on TikTok got like 150,000 views. Ooh, um, nice. And it's me having, uh, I saw a video about interviews um, and because my niche is kind of like ex-technical recruiter and a software engineer, I'm, I, I've seen it both sides of the table kind of thing. Um, I reacted to this video without even thinking it's like my third video on TikTok. I've just come back from rugby training. Um, I look filthy. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I literally, I've whacked my phone out and I'm like, yeah, so this is what I think about this X, Y, and Z. Um, and then, uh, and then literally just put the phone down. It's not even edited, no music, nothing. Um, and then bam, like it gets all this. And then other ones that I'll spend maybe an hour editing the TikTok, it gets like a hundred views. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so frustrating. I, I just looked at your feed and it's like sometimes a video has 12k views for no reason mm. because the thumbnail looks exactly like the one next to it and ju it just has text and uh, I should probably do TikTok again. Are you still doing TikTok? Yeah, yeah, still pretty regularly. I try and get like four or five out a week um, if oh, I can nice. and uh, I find it's it's a difficult one because controversy does well. Um, so mm. I said W3 schools documentation is bad. Use MDN. And a lot of people got upset with me, um, <laughs> but the video performed great. Uh, so, um, yeah, and then as well, like anecdotes do well, memes do well. Um, but, and I, from what I understand, dancing does well, but I don't think, uh, a 
bloke like me is necessarily the kind of person people are looking for to do a dance. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've built by myself also a little TikTok following uh, for for a time. I know I'm not doing it right now. But I basically also did it like following what's cool on TikTok, like which which sound is cool right now. And then just doing this where you move your mouth and they say something in the background and you do something funny or it is a funny sound. And uh, yeah, you can totally build up a following on TikTok just like that. I don't know how valuable such a following is. Like mm. if I have a following who, who like my funny videos, can I convert them to get a pro subscription for galaxies.dev? I don't know. The I mean, maybe, yes, that's probably how TikTok works, but it's not really an, an educated audience that's following me because of my great developer content, right? It, they are following yeah. me because of funny meme stuff. That's the thing. You want to have the bought-in followers. So even though I have maybe 10% of the audience with the podcast and I do on my TikTok, I know the people here are more bought into uh, what what we discuss and more, have more of a genuine interest, not just here for uh, like random controversial bits. And you, you mentioned galaxies.dev again. Do you want to explain a little bit about kind of what it is? Because I did mean to ask you a little bit earlier, but we ended up talking about cars and stuff. So I completely went off the other way. So no, what, what's wrong. the plan? I mean, I, I'm obviously, and anyone else that listens to all the code has been aware of it for quite a while now. Um, but mm. for people who aren't familiar, do you, do you want to explain what is it? What's the plan? Yeah, so there, there was a big master plan. I, I've been running the Ionic Academy, which is a membership site with Ionic courses. But at some point last year, I felt like maybe I should do something else as well. And I thought about adding it to the Academy, but that didn't feel right. So I came up with a plan to develop a whole new platform. And that took me about, I don't know, half a year or eight months. Uh, so we developed with a little team of three people, basically, uh, galaxies.dev. Uh, we had a designer and another developer and basically me, I focused on creating content and shaping the whole vision. And it's become a platform for courses and learning material, tutorials uh, beyond Ionic. So that's the initial thing I said, um, because a lot of the Ionic Academy members asked me, hey, should I join there? What, what's in it? Like, why is there no Angular content? And I'm like, yeah, this is a platform focused on really the, the edges of web development, pretty much what we discussed about in the beginning, like all the fancy frameworks and everything that's going on right now. It's kind of confusing. And we thought about this, like, so this is where the galaxies analogy came from about you have the universe, you have a React planet and uh, you have an Angular planet or you have a Swelt planet. And then there are these little additional planets around there, which is the router package or the state handling and all these kind of stuff. Uh, so that's where Galaxies came from initially. And yeah, uh, we right now have like content on a variety of frameworks like Angular, React, Flutter, Ionic. Uh, we have some really great courses. Simon, my co-host, also did a course. And right now, uh, two more people are working on courses. So it's not just me because I... I like I kind of like to get into new technology, but at the same time, it's it's really hard to like every month get deep enough into a new topic to create a course about it. Like that takes real time. So I trust other industry experts to create a view course or something, which I'm definitely uh, or absolutely not into. And there will be new courses every month. So right now we do have six great courses. Um, we do 
put a focus on being more practical because that's what I enjoy. So I don't like six or 10 hour long courses. And those are usually like 90 to 90 minutes to two hours, which I think is something you can usually do like in a week or in the evenings, if you'll enjoy this. And then you have a good foundation for something new because um, this is probably also foreshadowing. I saw you, you had a document with questions uh, and one question was about <laughs> how we how we learn technologies. So this would fit in right now because I kind of like to just get this initial kickstart. So getting some ideas, hearing some words about a framework or something, and then just being on my own. I, I totally don't like to spend hours reading the documentation about how this functionality works and what that does. So I, I kind of just want to like to see how I can put something on the screen, maybe navigate somewhere or do some kind of operation and how I structure it. But I feel like that's enough from, from that point. Um, so I don't know how many people are just like that. I know people also like these 10 and 30 hour courses. And yeah, if you're a beginner, um, Definitely, there is value in those long courses as well. But uh, for us, this is more a platform probably for the busy developer, uh, which is a bit more fast paced. Um, and so I think this is meant to be as a kickstart in many different topics because there are just so many topics. And if you want to get a good overview about the JavaScript universe, you can check us out at galaxies.dev. Um, you can join for free and get access to some tutorials and quick wins. And if you go pro, you get access to all the pro courses. And today we're going to actually have uh, our first office hours. So I'm kind of excited. I never had this. Uh, I wanted to add this. I'm, I'm still excited if anyone will show up. Um, <laughs> how so how set do you do up. that? Is that just over like Discord or? Yeah, I set up a Zoom call that felt like oh, the right cool. thing because I've been, yeah, I could have probably used something like StreamYard or so as well. I didn't want to do it on YouTube because it's for like only the pro members. So it has yeah. to be like somehow protected. Um, yeah, StreamYard might have worked. I, I it did get Zoom because I've been on other calls and they used Zoom before. Uh, I just hope that when I start the call, somebody will drop in into the office hours. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's any consolation i've been uh i've done code of career like uh ask me anything events and that kind of thing or i've done like go lives on tiktok and have like three viewers and then it's just maybe one guy just giving me a load of abuse uh like uh, give me insecurities i never thought i had uh and uh like stuff like that so um you know i'm sure it'll be all right but if it's what i mean is if it's any consolation we've all been there um but i'm sure you'll get plenty of people um because i know you have you have a lot of keen listeners to all the code so um yeah i mean uh in terms of the courses available right now ju just to actually reiterate what courses are available if people want to check them out um, so in terms of the pro courses, we have uh, a React Native course, a Next.js course, a Modern Angular course, an Ionic React with Capacitor course, Flutter, Firebase, uh, and I think that's it for now. And currently we're working on uh, SwellKit, Astro, and Vue courses. So yeah. with those three additional courses, we're going to actually have a very solid basis. Uh, and once we got that, um, I'm going to dive into Tori, which I know is also something people are really, really interested. I think Tori was also at like the top of the state of JS survey for cross-platform stuff, as it's also based on on Rust. So yeah, everything everything comes back to Rust. Uh, actually, yeah, pro probably they're going to be a Rust course in the future as well, but I haven't planned that yet. I'd, lo I'd love to see it. That sounds uh, that sounds really cool, and it's it's a it's a really Cool market. I got interested about this uh, when I was listening to all the code, actually, um, when when you and Simon were talking about it and saying there's not enough content in that middle ground where it's like 
you already know a lot of the fundamentals, but you need upskilling in a certain new thing. Um, like I don't need to be taught all the fundamentals of JavaScript to learn a new JavaScript framework. And that's often what actually ends up happening um, mm. because people try and make the course accessible for everyone, which is great. But the problem is you end up skipping some time. Like usually my tutorials, I'll spend half an hour skipping the first bits, realize <laughs> that I missed something important, go back and then just skip around. So it sounds like a really underserved market, actually. I'm probably the exact kind of person you would want, actually. I've got about four years experience. So um, probably probably that exact um, kind of uh, UX UX persona that you're after. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting and definitely a new challenge for me because when I started the academy, the Ionic Academy, I was kind of a guru in that market and got mm -hmm. quite a lot of uh, subscriptions right in the first week, which I didn't get yet with Galaxies because I'm still pretty much in a nobody in all the other communities. And whenever I drop something that is about React, people are going to scream at me why I'm not doing something with Ionic <laughs> Angular anymore. Um, Just yesterday, for example, I, I dropped a video. I, I had high expectations, but like I had a funny, I know whenever I have high expectations, the video is going to totally like nobody's going to watch it. Um, but I know for this one, it is really good because it's about Expo and the differences to the React Native CLI, mm -hmm. which is an interesting topic. I haven't found a right solution for this. So I compiled a video and really made good research and did good editing and I posted it. And I felt like this video should go through the roof basically like the Angular comeback video, but it's been uh, in views number 10 of 10 in YouTube. So uh, the, the worst performing yeah. video. But that's because my channel is, is like, they are Angular people. And if they mm. see a React Native video and they're like, I don't care, I don't gonna click that. But I hope it's gonna rank at some point if, if the React Native community is gonna picking it up. Um, because it's yeah. really, I, th I think it's really a valuable video. I, I don't say this all the time. Sometimes it's more like, yeah, this is just, another tutorial because we need a tutorial this week but this is definitely a great video so if you're anyhow interested in react native uh, and expo uh go to my channel you can also what is my name currently galaxies underscore dev i think uh should be my short handle on on youtube as well we'll have a link to that in the description so hopefully the code of career listeners can give you a nice boost on that and i think youtube's cool because it's the videos they don't get it's not like they're either going to get pushed immediately or not at all so you never know when you're going to get um that spike so i'm sure what once the tribe discover it uh you'll be uh you'll you'll be sorted in that respect and um in terms of for people who are maybe a few years earlier in their career um What would you advise them if they're maybe a year or two off being a galaxies.dev uh, customer and they're trying to break into the industry right now? Um, what, what advice would you give someone who, let's say, simple example, we're recording this in early March. Uh, someone started Learn to Code on January the 1st uh, and they, their personal goal is to break into the industry at the end of this calendar year. What advice would you give them? Um, so this is not about becoming a creator. This is really just becoming about a developer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I would I would definitely, if you were at ground zero, I would start with JavaScript. And to be honest, at this point, I would just pick up uh, and learn React uh, and then move into Next.js. If, if you're interested in like the fastest way to find a job, I think that is definitely the, the stable, the, the best way to do it because the React market, I think React is still like 70% of the market or something like that. It, yeah, Next, it feels like 90% of the market, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, you don't have to get into Next.js. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. not like everyone is using Next.js, but it's like what Simon said, it's like the missing framework for React. 
that gives your application a lot of more uh, structure and architecture. So uh, picking up React, although if you hear like, oh, SwelteKit is the new cool thing and maybe solid and don't listen to that. Like if you want a job, just, just learn React. Uh, I made a video actually earlier this year and I said it in there as well. I mean, I'm, I love Angular and I love Ionic and all that stuff, but just being honest with yourself, the, the market is going in the React direction and tons of React applications need maintenance in the next years. They are still started. Um, so that's the safest bet for every new developer to get into anything in the React community in my eyes. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And actually, the creator who will not be named, who uh, is uh, Theo um, Ping dot GG. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, sorry, Simon B. Uh, <laughs> he he did a he did a good video uh, on this actually called "Is React Dead?" And actually, uh, it, it was really good because he made that exact point that that you made about how you know so much of the ecosystem is already built in it. Um, mm. And so we're always going to need React developers for quite a long time. And I wonder if it will be part of my stack for 2030 still <laughs> where people are still going to be using at least some flavor of it um because you know php is still what 80 percent the internet right and who's coding new stuff in php now not many people yeah definitely so react is it's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point just new developers look at what's being used in the market oh that's react so i'm going to learn react as well and in, in five years we're going to have even more react developers that's just natural Maybe if Angular makes this comeback this year, uh, maybe the tide's going to shift. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting compromise, isn't it? Because you want to make sure that you have the skill set that is most viable in the current market. But then also as well, you want to be relatively future-proofed in the sense of you can predict a trend. So I, I think, yeah, I, my advice would be very similar to yours. It was like learn React, but then also as well, try and pick something else up once you're already kind of in the industry that makes you a bit different. I mean, as a developer, you kind of have to reinvent yourself anyway mm -hmm. every other year. Um, so just be prepared for that. You, you're probably going to start with React, and that's a solid skill to get started. But I think, yeah, by, by 25, uh, you yeah. probably have to pick up another framework or another language, definitely. Um, yeah, it's not I like being where, I... where the numbers would never change. Like a balance sheet is always a balance sheet. For us, our job changes, especially on the front end, pretty significantly every three to four years. Yeah. I mean, I could have, when I was a mobile developer for iOS, I probably could have just stick to Objective-C and I could probably mm -hmm. to this day still write Objective-C apps and uh, they would look okay and I could maintain them. But yeah, you just have to be open for new stuff. I don't actually know. So that's why I said before on the pod where Simon was laughing at me, I said, I don't want to be a coder when I'm 40. And he was like, oh, I'm already close to 40. I just don't know how good my skills will be, like let's say between 40 and 50 to pick up these new yeah. things every other year. Like I feel at some point I just want to retire on some technology. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen or if it's going to be possible. So, so that would be cool if we had like the, the JavaScript full stack framework front end that we agree on for the next like 10 years. Be convenient. Ideally, something that we already know in and out, uh, like completely would be would be ideal if we already know it. Um, I know what you mean, though. I don't really see myself coding past 40. I see myself like maybe going into some kind of like product, uh, product role of some kind and uh, managing more on the high level because I just think uh, my brain is slow as as it is at 27. Uh, so <laughs> it is. I mean, I mean, it's, an, it's a fact in, in biology. 
Yeah, it, it is. It is. And it's it's harder as well because obviously your life gets busier, generally speaking, mm. the older you get. And so to learn the new technologies, like, um, you know, if I have more commitments, there's no way that I'll be able to do all of this stuff and learn new new stuff outside of work. So it, it's, uh, I know what you mean. It's uh, it's an interesting one to think about. Yeah, well, when you're in your 20s and 30s, like there's no problem in the evening to watch a Galaxies or Dev Course. But when you're like in your <laughs> 40s and 50s, you probably just want to, I don't know, chill and drink a wine or eat some cheese. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, that's pretty much what I want to do now. Um, <laughs> although I'd love to do that while watching a Galaxy's Not Dev course. Just uh, the classy way of doing it with uh, with some cheese and wine. Um, definitely oh, yeah. not just with a with oh, a cheap beer and a cigarette. <laughs> that be, yeah, that would. Don't don't do that. <laughs> to be fair, I, without without getting this podcast somehow banned off uh, Spotify or whatever, because I don't know if this is a banned topic, but and I don't know if you've experienced this. I find I actually code better after one or two pints of beer, for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't drink anymore. So Simon, oh, Simon fair. and I. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've heard that. The, I heard that argument definitely. Yeah, a bit of I'm, bit of Dutch courage. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's coffee. Yeah, that's probably the healthier way of doing it. <clears throat> probably, probably, yeah. I don't I actually don't know. It's like both yeah. coffee and alcohol both have some kind of effect on your body. Uh, I don't know. It's don't better than monster energy. Co coffee's better than monster oh, yeah. energy, which is what yeah, I ever having. So everything on this earth is probably better than monster energy. <laughs> I just come home with some kind of fluorescent can at sort of 9 a.m. <laughs> before work, and my girlfriend's like, "No, come on, don't do it." Just like some like yellow and red can. <laughs> God knows what's in there. Like, but yeah. it gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> was it wasn't it in, in how i met your mother where they were drinking this tantrum or something on, on their road trip and they were just constantly freaking out in the car uh, i think it was one episode of how i met your mother yeah i think it's probably based on four loco which was uh basically monster energy mixed with alcohol um and they banned it because uh oh, people were just going yeah. too crazy off it because it was called four loco because you drink four and you go loco that that was the marketing ah oh, oh, it's a nice <laughs> branding definitely <laughs> I mean, completely socially irresponsible, but yeah. I don't know. We we had something in Germany. I think when when I was younger, called Alco Pops. I don't know. It was the same. Oh name. yeah, I uh, I had a few on Saturday night actually. Um, yeah, stuff. are they yeah. still? I feel like they're not allowed in Germany anymore. I don't know. I actually don't know what is it like. Alcohol with some kind of lemonade or something. I think pretty much yeah. So we have a we call them WKD here or VK, um, and it's quite popular among. Uh, rugby players after games so on saturday night this week after after i played after i played my yeah. match uh i, I <laughs> uh we uh, we signed off with a few of those um so uh i was uh, not too with it on sunday morning but yeah i'm not surprised they uh, they maybe tried to ban those <laughs> I, I have high respect for rugby players because i i, I like to watch uh, american football a bit and they got like this whole stuff that's protecting them and you're pretty much doing the same but without any kind of protection i don't i don't know how you're doing it you're not getting unbelievable I mean, every damn time it, i mean well one yeah it does it does hurt but two as well we don't um run and tackle head first like american football players do oh, okay. um so they could learn a lot from our tackle technique um but saying that i've been concussed twice this season so uh, it's <laughs> which again probably doesn't help with the code but here we yeah. are <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, oh. um, cool. I think that's that sort of brought us up to. I actually need to be in my on my stand up in a, uh, in in a little while. So um, it's been really awesome speaking. Do you have anything? Um, obviously, we talked a bit about Galaxy's Dev, but obviously, you produce great content yourself, uh, both with all the code and and by yourself. Where can people find your content? Uh, actually, most of my new content will also be available on galaxies.dev, so either as a tutorial or as a quick win. So um, best for you would be to just create your free account if you're interested <clears throat> at galaxies.dev. And if you feel the need to go through a few of our pro courses, then, of course, I'd be happy if you upgrade to a pro. And if you listen to us or like to listen to my voice and Simon British's voice, also check out all the code podcasts. Um, should be in pretty much Spotify or every podcasting player on, on this. Yeah, one. I think it is literally every single time when you listen to the Code of Career, the like suggested podcast is all the code. So <laughs> almost certainly just look to the right on whatever podcast player you're on right now, you'll just find all the code. Um, it's like I feel like they're brothers as podcasts. It's nice. Um, like yeah, they, well, uh, we, we should, we should bring you time. back soon. We should do. We should do a special crossover at some yes, point. The three yes, of us. I yes. think that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm definitely hundred yeah, percent up for that. Yeah, awesome. um, but cool. Yeah, it's been really, really great chatting. And yeah, just to emphasize, there are plenty of free options on galaxies.dev. So people should, really should go check it out, no matter whether you're looking to invest in a pro plan or not. So um, people should uh, go and check it out and uh, and your podcast as well. But thank you so much for your time, Simon. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure actually finally meeting you after listening to you for so long. <laughs> uh, th thanks for having me. I'm glad we're going to have you soon on the All The Code podcast as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, from what I understand, you have 24 other podcast to contact to try and get on uh, <laughs> yeah, the challenge. Yeah. So I hope oh, that's yeah. going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to probably hear me on other podcasts in the near future. <laughs> cool. Looking forward to that. Thanks again, awesome. Simon. And thank you to the audience for tuning in for another episode of The Code of Career.